welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. We are on episode number 36. I am back with my co-host, the Antakul. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Nothing much. It was a good day, though. Yeah, I've had a pretty productive day. A lot more than the normal. Before we get started, i got to point out something real quick. I know the listeners don't know, but I feel like we're very, like, multi-talented. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna pat us on the back a little bit for 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 some 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 talent I've been recognizing. So I don't I don't think I've even ever mentioned it on this podcast, but I've been working on a book for a very 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 long time, and today I hit a milestone. I'm getting close to a respectable first draft that I almost feel comfortable letting someone else read. And you are now a champion knitter. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. We're very uh, multi-talented, multitasking, you know, jack-of-all-trades, hopefully maybe master one someday. But, yeah, man, it's been a lot of fights this week. A lot of fights. And the ones we didn't get to mention last week. Yeah, like, just... We're going to try to cover everything. (laughs) All of the punching, all of the kicking, MMA, kickboxing, just all all over the place. But um, yeah, we are going to start. I guess all right. We're going to start with a fight that I was really, really, really looking forward to, and my God, did it live up to the hype and more. Uh, Justin Gaethje finally makes his UFC debut against Michael Johnson, and um. I've rewatched this fight an ungodly number of times because it's just <laughs> this fight was just amazing to watch. And like I I I expected this fight to be good. I didn't think it was gonna be this good. I I thought maybe there would be spurts of violence, but Johnson may might be able to just kind of pick him apart from the outside. I think he well, at least I thought that he would have the faster, more you know, more crisp hands. And I mean, he did. He he, he rocked Gaethje a couple of times. Really, they killed each other a bunch of times. I don't even know how this made it to a second round. But my God, I don't know. Every standing strike that you can think of was probably thrown in this fight. And Johnson almost got him out in the first. He um, I can't remember if it was an uppercut, but he he dropped him to a knee for like a split second. But Gaethje has some insane recovery skills. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the dude's chin is made of or how he finds ways to keep getting up. But after they both just traded atomic bombs for a round, they somehow last a second round, and then they proceed to just trade more bombs again. But I feel like Gaethje 
kind of has like that Tom Dukenwa effect that like when he gets damaged, it doesn't mean you're about to win. He just kind of finds another gear of violence to go into. And God, he just, I can't even remember how that flurry ended. I think, I think it was an uppercut that originally rocked him. And then he, he backed Johnson up against the cage and you could just see the look in Johnson's face. Like he looked so just like completely gassed out. And then I think he caught a knee and or elbow, probably a combination of the sort. And then that was it. And it was just that fight was amazing. Just that is the fight of the year so far by easily. A, by a country mile. Easily. And good luck to anybody who <laughs> who tries to outdo that fight. Like I know we got Robbie and Cerrone coming up, but I don't think that'll do it. Like this. Man, yeah, this this fight was wild, just completely insane. Like, uh, Gaethje, <laughs> oh god, that I don't know what's gonna take for Gaethje to be stopped. In terms of just like people who want to stand and strike with him, and like now I just mix it up because. Before this fight, I would tell you that Michael Johnson probably has the best chance of finishing Gaethje in terms of just, like, get a straight-up striking exchange. Just because he's the hardest hitter in the freaking division. or he's, he's harder than a lot of the dudes in the top. He hits harder than a lot of dudes in the top ten. Like, um, Ferguson, great. Ferguson and Diaz, great, like, pace guys, but I don't think either one hits harder than Johnson. I freaking Khabib's uh, obviously not a puncher. Um, maybe Poirier or Alvarez, but like he, it, at the same time, Johnson was all, is always a dude who just gets taken out of his fight by just by just being put under a lot of pressure. Which which is why the um, the. Barboza fight was such a weird thing to see him like actually apply pressure because he's always a dude who fights on the outside. Right. But um, he, like here, no, like Gaethje broke him. Like he broke him at multiple points in the fight. Actually, like he broke him like a minute into the first round. I was actually surprised when he came back and hurt him way like, later in the round. But uh, like. Oh my god, I can't I can't get over how amazing that performance is. <laughs> That's the best UFC debut since maybe like since Silva knocked out Lieben or like JDS knocked out Fabrizio Verdum as a complete unknown. But just like in terms of living up to the hype, I guess it's Anderson um Lieben. Like you just come in and you go just like straight up toe for toe with a top five fighter in your division in the main event of like the, what's supposed to be the biggest week of the year for your sport and you just knock him the fuck out in the second round. <laughs> in the and it was of, in the fight of the year. Right, like all of that on your first fight. And I remember too, I think he had posted on Twitter he had said something about because uh, Marias had his debut like not too long before this fight and he was yeah. saying how oh he thought Marias should have gave more and I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, I hope you don't put your foot in your mouth. I hope you don't say this about Marias and then Dude, you like, lay an egg. But... No, like, no, no. Like, <laughs> here's the thing with Gaethje. 
Like, before the before the fight, the two things he said that stuck with me are, I'm going to get knocked out in one of my next ten fights. <laughs> and I don't care about brain damage. Like, when, when we talk about coaches having to save the fighters or refs having to, like, save the fighter, like, Gaethje's the fighter they have in mind. <laughs> I honestly gotta think he'd be okay with dying in the in the cage. Probably, I wouldn't doubt it. And when he when he does start to go, he's going to be one of those people you have to drag out of the cage, kicking and screaming, like worse than Lieben and Big Nog and like all those other dudes. Like there's a dude who could end up being UFC champion, and five years from now be fighting in like a freaking parking lot somewhere for like five hundred dollars. <laughs> I just because... got over. Just because, like, he can't stop fighting. You know what I mean? I just got to wonder, how long does that chin hold up? Because, I mean, if you guys haven't watched him before this fight, and, and World Series of Fighting, these, these fight, this is what he does. Like This is basically the best version of every single one of his fights. <laughs> because, like, the two fights he had with Palomino, he died multiple times in both of those fights and still, you know... Managed to win. I'm like, I don't... That dude's chin is just made of just something else. Like, he's not one of us. His <laughs> chin is just his recovery and just, like... We're talking about his heart and everything like that, but... He is one of the... Most offensively adept fighters in MMA, period. And, like, I, I had to defend him a little bit. After the fight... Because, like, he he takes so much damage. And, but he he's an offensive, like, juggernaut. Uh, the, like, some of the shit he's doing, it seems, like, basic and intuitive, but you don't see other a lot of fighters do it. Like, the, like the, um, the, Tim, Bo, uh, the Tim Bosch uppercuts. Where right. he just... <laughs> sorry. Where he literally just grabs the back of your head with his lead hand. Like uses it to push you down and into his uppercuts. It, it's basic shit like that. It just makes him, who is an already heavy-handed dude, just hit that much harder. Like, fuck, he'll take that same position with like his hand around your neck or behind your head, pushing it down and kick your leg from underneath you. Another thing, he's one of the best leg kickers in the sport. Yeah, I was gonna say for with him, it's not just hands that you got to worry about because. He throws leg kicks like, like I don't know, like it's programmed. Like, <laughs> like every five seconds there's a leg kick coming, and like they they hurt. Like these are full force, you know. I think they won the fight. Like Johnson was trying to get away, but every time he got like he was getting away, like Gaethje was just kicking his legs out from underneath him. Like yeah. he was forced into that firefight. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I'm. Not, not that I, you know, think Gaethje's unbeatable, but I'm no, interested to see. Yeah, I'm interested to see how someone beats him without like, or if someone beats him straight standing up, like, because he's just so in your face all the like you never get a chance to breathe. Like, Which I, I guess is why they paired him with Alvarez the next fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They already announced his next fight. By the way, <laughs> he's fighting Eddie Alvarez after he does Tough Twenty Six. Which, fair enough. I don't think either dude should be fighting for like the next three months anyway. Yeah, I'm about to say yeah. Considering after 
they yeah, both they need to came off. off fight of the years where they took a ridiculous amount of damage. But like Gaethje, I could see Gaethje beating Barbosa. Like I, I could definitely see him knocking out Kevin Lee. I can definitely see like I can see him beating Alvarez. I can see him being Poirier, and I can see him being Kiesa. Like I definitely see him being Pettis at this point. So like we're talking McGregor, Nurmagomedov, and Ferguson. Oh man, him and Ferguson. That's <laughs> yeah. like I think McGregor beats him outright. I think that's just one stylistic matchup that favors McGregor too much. Um, the Ferguson fight, I can't. Like I'm trying to run it through my head. Is that better or worse matchup for him? I think better because I think I think he stands a better chance against anybody who's willing to engage. Yeah, because Ferguson's kind of a wild. It's a wild man. And but, uh, Ferguson's also the dude who was literally jumping into Edson Barboza's punches. And they every single one of them, you know. That is true. That is true. I I I, I can't. I I don't know. I, I I obviously favor favor Ferguson, just because I think he can mix it up a little better. Yeah. But um, I just want to see Gaethje fight everybody. <laughs> just, yeah. I want Gaethje to fight everybody, for as long as his career can last. But well, I, I think he could beat Khabib. To be honest with you, like if a lot of what we think about Khabib as like a wrestler and like a striker and just like an all-around fighter has kind of not been proven yet, I want to say. Because this is oh no, good... I, I'd say the wrestling part after that mauling of Johnson. I, I, That's I'll... the thing, though. Like what um freaking uh, our boy uh, the sports uh, sound off mention this this is the same dude who got out wrestled by Reza Madadi like do you remember that nah I I don't think because I wasn't like big on Khabib at first so I don't no no no, no. I'm talking about uh, Michael Johnson oh oh, yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah he did not just lose he got like ransacked like just straight up taken down and powered like powered through he has a few of those losses that are kind of like yeah like Hey, no, he's just—he's an inconsistent fighter. He's definitely better than he was like four years ago. I'm not trying to like, ca- like throw shade on Khabib or Gaethje's win, but that was a fight that stylistically favored Khabib a lot. So it didn't surprise me when Johnson—it like, didn't surprise me when Johnson broke in this fight. It didn't surprise me when he. Uh, it didn't surprise me that. Um, Nurmagomedov was able to just beat the shell of him once he got him down in, in that, their fight because Johnson's just a guy who fades down the stretch. Especially if he's not going his way. Yeah, so, and in this fight, I mean, he he had chances to win, but Gaethje just, Gaethje gonna Gaethje. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's only so much you can do to a man who's just... Like, Think of it like this: like, Gaethje got rocked multiple times and never thought to like try to tie up and buy for time. He would just back up to the cage, grab it, like just like use the steady himself, and then just come back swinging. That's another thing that I don't think people even know. Like Gaethje has a wrestling background. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, the man can't wrestle. He just chooses to <laughs> just kind of just kill people. He but the re- reverse. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. But the, the wrestling's there, like, if he needs it, he just doesn't, you know, you don't see it all the time. So, yeah, man. Good luck to anybody who fights him. Like, even if you win, you're going to leave with some marks and some bruises, and it's not going to be a pleasant experience. But Alvarez might be, like, the perfect fight because he's another one of those dudes that I feel like he just thrives off of punishment. That's yeah. a fight where, the, like, they're crowning a winner for tough, right? Just yeah. do the whole card on Fox, like Big Fox. I know they want to do, like, the FS1... You know, integration thing where, like, the show was on FS1 and then um, the the finale is on FS1. Gaethje Alvarez in primetime Fox style five rounds is just is money. Yeah, everybody needs to see this. As many eyes as, as humanly possible. The, the winner of that fight is, like, an insta star. Right. Or at, at least as big as someone, one of the guys with the belts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Guaranteed violence, man. But yeah, if you if you guys didn't see that fight, fight That's of it. the year. Yeah, go go watch that. Fight of the year easily. Um, uh, being that we have so many fights to cover, uh, I'll just kind of breeze through the rest of the card. Just a few notes. Uh, Jesse Taylor won the Ultimate Fighter, choking out uh, Diego Lima. Uh, Mark Diacasi lost to Drake R. Close. Um, I'll just skip around. Angela Hill got a 30-27 unanimous decision win. Wasn't the most exciting fight, but she got the W, so shout-outs to her. Uh, Ticia Torres got her first ever um, finish in the UFC via submission, a uh, rear naked choke. And uh, Gray Maynard uh, wrestled the life <laughs> out of um, Teruto Ishihara. Um, and James Krause mercilessly beat a guy who I think they said they were good friends too. Tom Galatio, if I'm saying that right, something like that. Uh, Galatio. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, Krause kind of just put a striking clinic on him. Um, but pretty, pretty, uh, pretty decent card. But Gaethje, yeah, man. Ga- Gaethje's the man. Gaethje is the uh, that's the man. And Speaking of <laughs> speaking of people being the man, um, this guy Robert Whitaker, man. best middleweight on earth. <laughs> this guy, man, continues to impress, man. Like Yoel Romero is easily like the scariest, probably top five, probably like top two scariest people in the UFC, and Whitaker won. Uh, I would say a pretty won this fight pretty convincingly while being basically on one leg or I don't know what was damaged. I don't know if it was a leg or a knee, but clearly like something was, was, you know, wasn't going all right with that leg, but I'm not sure if it's come out yet. What actually, um, what actually happened with like his knee, like, or his leg, um, Facing six months suspension, blah blah blah. It just says knee injury. Whatever it was, it, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't matter, man. He, this dude, just 
Like, just keep in mind, like, he beat Jacare, and then he beat Romero. Basically, like, like three months ago, by the way. Right. Back to back. And these weren't really, like, I love Jacare. I love Jacare to death, but he destroyed Jacare. And the, this Romero fight wasn't, I mean, it, it was competitive, but Whitaker, uh, I think most would agree, clearly won. Clearly won this fight. And, yeah, this this dude, man, just great footwork, great boxing, great at not, I never really see him, at least as of late, he manages to not get caught in too many bad spots, and when he does, he's skilled enough to get it out of them and not <laughs> play around and, you know, put himself in too bad of a position, and, yeah, so sets himself up to, to face my man Bisbing. I love Bisbing, but I hope you're on your P's and Q's, man. This dude's not, uh, Whitaker's not playing. <laughs> Whitaker is not playing at all. He is one of the, like, the best three strikers in the UFC right now. Like, three or four, um, it's like him, Max Holloway, um, Yoani and Jacek, and Conor McGregor, basically. Like... We talk about his boxing. Let's talk about like his kicking, like on one leg, by the way, where he's just front kicking like both sides of Yoel Romero, this <laughs> Olympic silver medalist wrestler, top two athlete, uh, top athlete ever in MMA, <clears throat> and making him look just utterly ridiculous in the last three rounds of a fight where he only has one leg. And those are the rounds that won him the fight, by the way. Right. I had him winning the first, but the uh, the judges had him winning, uh, Yoel Romero winning the first two rounds. His, his craft is just so, so underappreciated in terms of just, like, the totality of his game. Like I said, like, he's an amazing kicker. Amazing defensive wrestler, which I don't think we fully appreciated until this fight. Oh no, I I, I appreciate that in the Jacare fight because he got Jacare couldn't do anything with the takedowns. Well, like here's the thing: like Jacare is like a slow dude, though. Like he, as great as he is at like throwing punches and like using that to pressure dudes into the fence and like take them down, he still needs that. He still needs the fence. Like your ja- uh, Romero's just straight up like top four or five double-legged like, guys in MMA history where he's just athletic enough where he can get on anybody's legs from like six feet out and take them down. And he was getting in. He, he was on Whitaker's legs, like arms wrapped and everything, and Whitaker was able to just stop him, which is absurd. <clears throat> By the way, Whitaker won the Australian national uh, won the Australian national championship at like two hundred fourteen pounds, like two or three months ago. So he's technically on the like Australian national wrestling team, which means he could go and wrestle at one of those like um, big international tournaments and qualify for the Olympics next uh, in like twenty twenty. <laughs> Mind you, again, this Matt. is at two hundred fourteen pounds. I'm looking at his record. 
I didn't realize the tear that he's been on. Oh no, dude! Since he moved, so he to started off two. Yeah, he's been so he started off two and two. His uh, two losses come in the McGee split decision, and then he lost to Wonder Boy. And then since the Wonder Boy fight, this dude has went on to beat Mike Rhodes, Clint Hester, Brad Tavares, Uriah Hall, Rafael Natal, do do do, Derek Brunson, yep, Jacare, and then Romero. And he, he finished fighting. about half of those dudes. Yeah. Like he he is fighter of the year right now. Uh, you can't I don't know how anybody has a better year unless like he unless Bisbing comes back and he beats him in like December or something. Yeah, man, this this dude How did I feel like how did he fly under the radar for so long? Like he's been winning for a long time, but I feel like like we, like his name just doesn't really get bought up as much. Well, like look at the division. You have basically like a core of like five or six guys in Jacare, Luke Rockhold, um, Yoel Romero, Chris Weidman, and uh, uh, I guess you could put Bisbing in there and Gegard Mousasi. Who, whenever they fight somebody who's not in that core right there, they just beat the shit out of. <laughs> so like up until like he beat like even including the Brunson fight, like we didn't know how he would do against the elite at this in this division. And um, no, he, he just deep pants like two of the best fighters in it. Like at this point, I don't think there's anybody on the roster who beats him at middleweight. Like, maybe a fully realized Kelvin Gastelum gives him a run for his money. But, honestly, I think they just... I think Bellator just signed the best chance of anybody having to beat him away. Yeah. Ah, oh, that that situation. <laughs> oh, by the way, Gegger Musashi signs with Bellator. Right. <laughs> and will likely be fighting the winner of Rafael Carvalho and Alessio Sakara. Oh, no, no, no. He's fighting um, Slameko. Uh, well, yeah, but he's going to murder Shomeko. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I, I guess to go... Yeah, well, I mean, we, yeah, we we got plenty of time. How, how, when you first saw that, well, what was your first thought when you saw that he uh, he got signed to Bellator? My, my first thought was, this dude just went on a tour in Europe for the UFC. It has been on... Um, has been on, what was it? What's the UFC show on FS1 called? UFC Tonight? Yeah. It's been on UFC Tonight for like two or three weeks in a row. He just played the shit out of him. <laughs> it's funny because, like he said, he he got he. It wasn't a money thing. It was he wanted to go box and kickbox and fight for other promotions. And I'm assuming like Bellator's gonna let him fight for Ryzen. Like I, I I'm sure he'd love to go back to fighting in Japan. So that probably is a huge part of it. But I also think he was the best chance anybody had. Like, he was the best fighter in this division to beat Robert Whittaker. Yeah, I was I was hurt, man. I, I feel like losing Musashi, like, we just got um, robbed of a lot of good fights that could have potentially happened that will never, you know, well, I say will never, but, you know, for, for the time being, we won't get to see. I, I was interested in the Wadman rematch just because that first fight was so bananas. <laughs> yeah. I would have been interested in that. Definitely would have loved to see him fight Whitaker. Definitely would have loved to see him 
uh, fight Bisping, whether if it was for a title or not. Um, even a Rockhold fight would have been awesome, but yeah, I, I feel sorry for that middleweight division over in Bellator. Um, you guys got, um, yeah. <laughs> Carvalho, man, you better hold on to that belt for dear life. Dude, and, uh, like, just, I'm, th- I'm thinking about it. Like, this division has cannibalized itself so- Are you still there? Uh, yeah. Like, this division has eaten itself alive at this point. Like, Weidman's about to freaking... We don't know what's about to happen, but Weidman's potentially about to get his fourth loss in a row. Potentially by knockout. Because we all know he can't go past the second round. <laughs> so if he doesn't get Gelv- uh, he doesn't get Gaslam out of there in the second round, there's a good chance Gaslam knocks him out down the stretch. Then you have Luke Rocco, who just can't stay healthy. Jacare, who I I know Whitaker's like I, Whitaker probably in hindsight was a terrible matchup for him, but he's also pushing forty. He's also only getting older. And Yo Romero, I don't I don't know when like him being a super freak athlete is going to stop, but he's also forty years old now, so. And a lot of these guys have fought each other. If they continue to fight each other, they're just going to continue to get more worn, worn down. So we we could see Robert Whitaker run this division for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. I like how we're not even talking about Bisping. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. <laughs> Hold on. Right, before we get to the actual uh, match between those two, the the post fight <laughs> when Bisbing like jokingly handed him the belt <laughs> and Whitaker's like, Can I really have that? <laughs> and then Dana just immediately goes down and grabs it. <laughs> it was such like a funny, awkward moment. But I think him and Bisbing is gonna be a pretty a pretty fun fight. Um I, I wear my biases on my sleeve. I'm always rooting for Bisping, but if Whitaker uh, knocks his head off in like round one or two, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, um, but I think, I think it's going to be a uh, that that might that that might, <laughs> that might that might happen, and it scares me because I, I feel like Bisping's best weapon definitely is like his cardio. Dude, dude can just. Somehow, I don't know how, but he, he's a machine when it just comes to being able to just keep a pace. And even when he takes damage, he just seems like he doesn't really slow down much. But other than cardio, when I look at this matchup, I, I, I'm not really sure if he really has an advantage anywhere else because he... Like, even his cardio advantage, like, we're talking about a dude who had one leg who went up against this big, powerful wrestler who's literally the best athlete this sport has ever seen. And he was still fighting at a he was fighting at a faster pace in round five than he was in round one. Right. So, and still like moving around and using footwork <laughs> somehow still on one leg. Yep. Yeah, so, and like I'm I'm not sure where Bisbee wins this fight. Yeah. He I, I but then you know what? I say that about as as big as I'm a fan of him, I say that about a lot of his fights and somehow he can 
he can find ways to pull it through. He might eke a very close decision that probably could have gone either way. But I know if he if he eats one of those hard shots, man, he that that might be that that might be uh that might be slump city for him. I'm trying to think of a of a title fight where I thought or even the odd makers thought like that the champion had such a small chance of winning. Like the only one I can think of that comes close is the Esparza um Yenjechek fight where I, I knew like five months before they fought <laughs> that Yohan was gonna knock her out. Yeah, this the road for Bisbing does not get any easier. Definitely does not get any easier. Man, you want to be the king, you gotta you, you gotta defend the crown. Yeah. He about to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking by my homie. If, if if anything, you know, I like Whitaker, so you know, Whitaker the loss is is no shame in that. I I, I would just hope he puts on a, a good performance, but I'm not gonna count my man out. I know people hate him, and I, I get it. I understand, but I believe that people are champions for a reason. No, nobody gets to the top based off of a fluke. So I, I always give him a chance to somehow pull off a win. But this is probably one of the hardest fights like he's ever going to be in. So I hope I hope he's on his p's and q's, man. I, I'd be lying if I if I was if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous for him, but. Yeah, props to Whitaker, man. Dude is a an animal, to uh to say the least. <laughs> Moving on down this card, um, <laughs> you want to brush over this trilogy? <laughs> uh, for Silver Doom and Alistair Overeem, completed the worst trilogy in combat sports history, <laughs> in truly fitting fashion. By which I mean the judges gave Overeem. A majority decision win in a fight where he got the shit beat out of him and landed four punches in the one round in the first round, which two of the judges gave him. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember the fight all that much because I, I definitely didn't rewatch it. I mean, I remember the part where Overeem got you know put on his ass. I remember that. The third I, round. That was the third round. Yeah. The, the judges gave Overeem a round in which he landed four punches. <laughs> in which he threw ten punches. Yeah, th- this was such an Overeem or Doom fight. Like, <laughs> like, think about it. These guys have fought drastically different. Like, at each point in their career, they are, like, at drastically different points in their, like, style and approach to fighting. And their philosophy. But all three times they've come together, the fights have sucked ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I was hoping for something different because, yeah, like you said, like at this point in their careers, I, I feel like they both in, improved in some ways, but it's like when they fight each other, like, I don't know what happens. Like, they bring out the worst in each other. They do. <laughs> Somehow they bring out the absolute worst with each other, but I don't know. I have a terrible sense of humor. Somehow I was mildly entertained by this fight just because I, I knew it was going to be shenanigans. And uh, no, this was probably the best of the three fights, right? <laughs> which which isn't saying a whole, which isn't saying a whole lot. But 
Yeah, man. I mean, I, I guess, you know, props to Overeem for winning. I, I don't know if this is enough to get you a title shot, but then, like, the way heavyweight is, it's like... No one cares. You're right. Not not even just that. Like, who else? Overeem has two wins in a row. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, <laughs> there's no one else you could pick. I mean... We can see Kane, which I definitely, I definitely want to see Kane and Stipe at some point. That's like a dream fight for me. But I don't even know what Kane's health status is right now. So I feel like nobody even mentions him. I don't even know what's, like, what's even going on with Kane. And I mean, outside of Kane, you got Ngannou's not really proven. He hasn't beaten a, you know, a top guy yet. So Overeem's just kind of, he's just kind of there. Like he just. <laughs> He's just kind of there. He gets it by default. Yeah, right. Pretty much. Steve has to fight somebody. <laughs> man. Man, oh man. But, yeah, that, that trilogy, hopefully uh, hopefully that never happens again. We we definitely don't. We need these two far away from each other. Um, but on a more positive note, Anthony Pettis returned to lightweight to fight Jim Miller. And he looked pretty good, man. I was, I was, I was happy at what I saw. This, this was the best Pettis I've seen in in a very long time. This is literally the best Pettis we've seen since he beat like Gilbert Melendez. Right. E- easily. Yeah. Like boxing looked. His boxing to me looked like improved. He he looked a bit stronger. I think they actually mentioned that he like. For the first time, actually did like some actual strength and conditioning. Yeah, uh, he he started lifting weights after his um after he lost to uh, Holloway. Yeah, so which, which thank God, right? Because <laughs> this dude is just he's way too talented to just like the way his career was headed. It wasn't looking too good, but this this fight was definitely a a, a bright spot. And then against Miller, who's a pretty you know pretty tough dude. And he managed to put together a really good performance. He looked great on the feet. Um, he looked great on. He looked pretty good on the ground too. And Miller's definitely no slouch on the ground. And he he held his own on the ground. And yeah, got a got a nice unanimous decision. And hopefully lines himself up for. I'm not sure who he gets next, but I, I think he's starting to ho- hopefully get a get a spark back. I I hope it's not somebody in like the top fifteen. Like I hope it's like another. Um... Jim Miller type fighter, like not Joe Lozon, but like somebody like Joe Lozon, you know? Yeah, somebody who's a a name, but not somebody who, you know, he might. You don't want to throw him back to the the Sharks like too soon, but I mean, this is still he, a dude who entering into this fight, he was one in four in his last five. Right. So like baby steps. Yeah, definitely baby steps because I, I don't want to see his career take a another nosedive. But yeah, man, he 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 looked awesome. He definitely looked awesome. Um, oh boy, um, somebody who didn't look so awesome. <laughs> oh boy, this this fight. Um, Alexi Olenek. And uh, everybody's favorite heavyweight, Travis Brown. Um, yeah, so I, I spent this entire fight, and not to throw shade or disrespect, but you, you 
when you watch certain fighters and you follow them for a while, you expect, you just, I don't know, you kind of expect certain things from them. And Travis looked good in the beginning of the fight. He, he was, you know, using some footwork. He was landing some pretty good shots. But I spent the entire fight thinking, when is it all going to go wrong? Because I, I could feel it. You, you could feel it in the air. Like, there was going to be a point in the fight where he just this fell apart. Stupid. And... <laughs> he rocked Ola Nick in the first round. I think I, can't remember, I think it was an uppercut he caught him with. And then, for some reason, it just seemed like after he rocked him, things went downhill. Like after he was winning the fight, he just—it seemed like he just kind of started winging just like these wild punches, you know, trying to go for the finish. And then he ended up getting clocked himself. And after he got rocked. I think was by overhand right. It's pretty much the beginning of the end. And, I mean, props to Olenek, who... I don't know how old is Olenek. This dude's got to be in his 40s. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, sound like that. Yeah, he, he's got to be in his 40s. And the fight ended up going to the ground, which, if you know Olenek's background, if you, that's not where you want to be <laughs> uh, fighting Olenek. But Travis Brown chose to take it to the ground. And, um... Got uh, choked out for his troubles in round two. And uh, Olenek gets the biggest win of his career. And Travis Brown is what, 0-4 in his last? He is 0-4 in his last four, 1-5 in his last, uh, wait, no, yeah, 1-5 in his last six. And 2 and, crap, I can't count. 2-4. 2-6 in his last. Yeah, something like that. Bad record. (laughs) (laughs) Shit has basically hit the wall for uh, Travis Brown. So, the only way this loss could have been more Travis Brown is if Owen Nick had hit another Ezekiel (laughs) choke. Like, good God. Brown has become like a parry of himself, where when he first became a contender... He became a contender by basically like beating guys in their like in their area of expertise, basically. So he knocks out Overeem after absorbing an insane amount of punishment by kicking him in the face. He knocks out Gonzaga and Barnett by like just elbowing the shit out of them as they're shooting for takedowns. Now he's just losing, like just fighting his opponent's fight. <laughs> Like he fight, uh, he fights Olenek. Literally, lets oh, sits in range and lets Olenek plop him with an overhand right, where Olenek is literally just facing the ground. He is not looking at Brown. He is looking at the ground, and he clips Brown so hard that Brown decides it's time to go to the mat, and then Olenek chokes him out <laughs> against Lewis. Oh, I'm beating him at range when I'm not standing in front of him. I don't know. Why don't we just fucking just exchange in the pocket? Let's see what happens. <laughs> and then Lewis knocks him out. Against Verdum, it's like, oh, Verdum wants to fight me at range where, like, I, I, I where he has, like, freaking Edmund Tarverdi in his quarter screaming, he, he baby punches. He's a baby in front of you. <laughs> While Verdum is just jabbing the crap out of him. 
Like, I can't hold the Velasquez loss against him because Cain Velasquez could do that to basically anybody. Yeah. But the Arlovsky loss, where he, like, he loses trading with Arlovsky. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Travis Brown, man, just, like, the fastest decline in, like, MMA history, except for, like, Krokob. Maybe this is just a thing that happens to certain heavyweights where, like, they're just cooked. They they just become cooked, like, right in front of our eyes, and we have no idea why. But, like, at least, like, Krokop, though, I mean, when he came to the UFC, he was kind of already getting up in age. His prime years were kind of past him already. Was he, though? Like, was he, like, 20-something? He was, like, 28 was or he? something. I feel like he was older. Like Not, I, not like, super old, but... Dude, this is... Hold on, I have to check my facts here, but like I want to say this is the same year. Uh, let's see, UFC. He debuts at U, uh, UFC 67. Literally, one, two, five months earlier, he knocked. He's not. Uh, he submits Barnett on punches, and not like the year before. We're talking about him beating Vanderlei and Barnett. Okay, alright, so right. he probably wasn't that old. Hold up, let's see, he's 2006, so that was how many years ago? Like, 11 years ago? Yeah. So he was 30, he was 31. Okay, alright, that's, that's still like prime, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a he's in, in heavyweight. Yeah, heavyweight, that's definitely a prime, yeah. So, like, but he, Travis, not, how old is Travis? Travis Brown's like, I want to say he's like 34, he's 34. Okay. Yeah, his yeah his his fall from grace is not uh and, and it can be correlated to one point. It, it was from him leaving Jackson. Yeah, that <laughs> like literally more accurately going to Glendale Fight Club and spending his formative years as a contender fighting under Edmund Turpin. Yeah, like literally that's where everything went wrong. Like seriously, I I, I want I'm curious. We know for a fact that Edmund either A, doesn't know his shit, or B, did not care enough about Ronda Rousey to train her well. Like, there's foot, we, we have footage of Edmund training Ronda Rousey and just, like, not bothering to correct any of the obvious shit she's doing wrong. So how neglectful, like, how neglectful do you think he was for everybody else? I don't see how, like, he has a gym, like... Or why, like, you want to go there? Like, clearly you see two of his biggest fighters aren't doing so great. It's pretty clear why Travis went. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But everybody else, like, Jake Ellenberger left. Freaking Rafael uh, Cordeo for Edmund Tarkin. Or, did he leave him? He left Kings MMA to. I, I think he left Kings to go to um, Glendale. I don't know who. Whatever they're going down there, they they must have some awesome welcoming package or something that <laughs> we just don't know about. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Travis Brown leaving um, Edmonds Arvidians like the fifth worst thing that Travis Brown's ever done. Behind, like fifth or fourth, yeah, like fifth thing worst thing Travis Brown's ever done. Behind, you know, beating his wife, cheating on his wife, 
going to Emmett Tarverdi in the first place. <laughs> yeah, man. I'd, but not not to take away from from Olenek, um, because I'm for him. I'm pretty sure like this is probably his biggest win, biggest name. Um, looking at the rankings, he's he's just outside of the top ten. He's at eleven. Um, so can can only you know I guess get better for him. He. I imagine he'll get a top ten opponent next. Um, not sure how far he goes at his age, but I mean, dude is a, a skilled, you know, grappler and submission and artist. Heavyweight. Yeah, heavyweight, heavyweight, and yeah, at, at heavyweight, we, we, just we don't know what anything we, seems possible <laughs> at this point. At like we talk about Stipe about to becoming like the most dominant UFC champion of all time. Dude's thirty five. Like about well, he just turned thirty four, but he's gonna be. 35 uh, he's about to be 35 in like august so he'll be 35 by the next time he fights like age is nothing but a number a heavyweight right it's all about how beat up you are (laughs) (laughs) so i mean and with a dude like i mean a skill set like olenek i mean if you can get dudes to the ground you you pretty much you know you, you have a chance so We'll, we'll we'll see how far he goes. And as for for Travis, man, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like honestly, this this might be it. Like that cooked. Yeah, man. That, cooked, man. Like that, that might be the end of the road. Here, here's the thing though. UFC won't let him go because he's Ronda Rousey's like fiance. And apparently, he's popular enough where like people come and tune in for his fights. And, and like here we are. We spent like com- like ten minutes talking about him. So, they're not going to let him go and fight for Bellator. So. Probably won't do too much better over there. <laughs> to be honest. To be honest. I'd, I'd take Javier over Travis Brown. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but. Shout out to Olenek, man. Great, great win. Great, uh, great comeback. Keep, keep, keep doing your thing. Uh. I want to give a quick mention of uh, Tiago Santos and Gerald Merchart. I never noticed that Tiago Santos has a tattoo of a hammer on his chest. Yep. <laughs> and one by hammer fist in that fight. Uh, and what was a pretty violent showing for him. I can't remember. Does this hammer look as much like a penis as Brock Lesnar's sword does? Uh, no, I think his is better than Brock's. All I right. think. I think. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like it's better. Um, the fights won this card. Chad Laprise and Brian Camozzi. Laprise had a beautiful finish to this fight, which I wish I could remember, but I remember when I watched it that I thought it looked amazing. I just can't remember. Exactly. Body punch. Yeah. Body, body punch. Yeah. And they just swarmed him. Yeah, so, yeah, shout out to Laprise, man. That was, that was a really, um... Fight at your point. natural weight class, y'all. Moral of the Chad, story. <laughs> Chad Laprise looked amazing. Fighting a welterweight, even though he was vastly outsized. Right, definitely was. Oh man, this fight. Oh, quick mention. Uh, Bilal Muhammad and Jordan Mean. Oh god, Jordan Mean. I want to talk about cooked? Like, oh my god, he always has just like the spurts of where like it looks like he could be great, but the spurts just never last an entire fight. And I think in the case of this fight, like, he looked pretty good in, in the first round. And then it's just, like, after the first round, he just, 
Yeah, I don't know. Just like he just wasn't there anymore. And it's crazy because he he's a really young dude. But like for people who don't know, like Jordan Means been fighting since he was like 16, something crazy like that. Like so, even at like as young as he is, he's just he's taken so much damage. Probably that he's also had like 50 fights. Yeah, like we know we know about like 40 of them, but like he's definitely had some like smokers in the back of gyms. In like Canada, right. just like trying to get fights. Like, is I, I know like boxing does it. Like Canelo started fighting professionally when he was fifteen. Um, a couple other dudes who out of Mexico, like, and you hear about all these amateurs with like four hundred fights in boxing by the time they're like twenty one. But like, do not let your freaking kids fight grown ass men at fifteen, sixteen years old. And expect them to be physically capable 10 years, 12 years later. Yeah. Like, that. that is... Recipe, that's a recipe for, for disaster. Like, we... Like, I... I think there's nothing... I shouldn't say there's nothing, but... I think if Jordan Mean was, like, a more fit fighter... Like physically and not this worn out dude that we saw like last time out. Like I, I think he'd be a serious contender at welterweight. I really do. Yeah, like he he has the skill set to. Like I said, if he didn't have so much wear and tear, he'd easily be a top ten guy. Yeah. But and he showed spurts of that, like we saw in the Matt Brown fight, even though he lost. Like that was a fight that he was pretty close to winning at, at points. Did, uh, was it Tiago Alves? He looked yeah. pretty good in that fight at, at points. Like, he just spurts a great... He was whipping Tiago Alves' ass before. Yeah. Like, what was it? Like, the cartwheel to get away from him. And then he came out in the second round, got body kicked. And, like, oh, God, what was the strike for the fight? He had, like, one of the most vicious, like, TKOs ever. Uh, God, it wasn't it him who did the elbows? Cyborg Santos? Yeah, like he elbowed this dude like eighty times. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a Santos fight. It was one of the most violent things I've ever seen. And like, I remember watching him thinking when he came to the UFC, I was like, man, this guy's gonna do some damage. Like, I don't know if it went about, but he'll he'll throw his name in in the hat to to be considered. But yeah, man, just so much wear and tear. And but I mean, not to take away from Bilal Muhammad, who just kind of, uh, dude, like Bilal Muhammad is like becoming low key one of my favorite welterweights. Where he's obviously outmatched in size or like skill or uh, just straight up um, power, and but he'll still like just do like weird shit to win fights. Like here, he noticed that Jordan Mean was like kind of just weak in the clinch, so he just spent like the next two rounds diving into the clinch, diving into the clinch, <laughs> pressuring Mean, like just trying to work that takedown, and he eventually got it. Like, and he did the same thing in the, um, the Randy Brown fight, where, like, Brown was just leaving his legs there, so he was just kept kicking at them, and Brown had no answer, so he just kept doing it. And just grinds his way to a point, well, actually, after, after the first round, it was, it was kind of one-sided. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, he pretty decisively took that, that, that fight, so, yeah, shout-outs to Bilal Bahamut, and just, uh, one more quick mention on this card, uh. 
we mentioned him on one of the last podcasts we did. Uh, Trevor Giles from LFA made his debut and uh, got a nice KO. So shout outs to him. Uh, shout outs to Terry on where he made his debut. Unfortunately, didn't win, but uh, it's a pretty entertaining fight. Just unfortunately couldn't do a whole lot with the wrestling. Um, he so, stands up to straight. Yeah, but pretty uh pretty pretty decent card uh here and there um on going to the next card because the fights just <laughs> never end all right so this card uh yeah man literally shoot this they feel like every day was <laughs> but, dude like we had three days worth of mma and kickboxing this right. past weekend uh moving on to recent events that happened as of uh, yesterday uh yeah uh, really quick, really quick. Bell, uh, just the Bellator main event. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Bellator 181 was this past um, Friday. For everybody that know, um, there were some, like, interesting fighters on the card. Like, Amanda Bell made her debut um, for Bellator. Uh, UFC alum, Justin Lawrence, uh, four on it, knocked some dude out. Um, freaking uh, Joe Warren, two-division champion, got another win. I think it's like his 18th in Bellator or something. Like something weird, like a weird number like that. Um, and Rafael Lovato Jr., world BJJ champ, uh, he got his win over a UFC vet Mike Rhodes. Uh, freaking Logan Storty got his win. But the the best fight in the car was the main event between Derek Campos and Brandon Gertz. It, I, I will call it Justin Gaethje, Michael Johnson Light. Which is still so, great. <laughs> yeah, which is which is still amazing. Like it was a great fight up until the second round where the the doctor stepped in and was like, "No, Brandon Gertz, you have a hole in your head. You cannot continue fighting." <laughs> yeah, man. If if you guys haven't seen the image, it it was brutal, man. He his face and just it was just so. Straight out of a horror movie, man. And like Brandon Gertz literally had the Air Jordan like logo on his forehead. <laughs> and, and like if if you look at it like that Jordan logo, like it was a couple of inches deep. Like <laughs> this oh wasn't just like a surface scratch. Like he literally had a hole in his head. Dude, they were putting the cotton in his head with the stick and like the whole stick was just going to his <laughs> skull. And and he, man, props to Gertz, man, because I, I didn't get how he was even still standing. Like, dude just came forward the entire time, even with a hole in his head and blood just gushing just everywhere. And, yeah, man, these, these two, every time they fight, it just seems to be just madness. Just Yeah. So, yeah, shouts to um, uh, freaking Derek Campos for getting the win. Yeah. Definitely a awesome performance. Definitely a good way to round out that uh that card. But yeah, you guys definitely need to watch that fight if you haven't, and definitely take a look at that cut. Uh, I don't think anybody else in MMA I can think of has ever had a Jordan logo imprinted on their forehead. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that was that was awesome. Let's uh, bring up an interesting question. Yeah, like you know the fighters, you you know how like CM Punk has like the Pepsi logo. On his arm. <laughs> what if, like, what if another fighter with no, like, sponsorship prepping or, like, or, or um, 
you know, outside influencers decided, you know what, I want to have the Nike swoosh on my chest. I want... Like, would they, they, there's no way to cover that up. Can you... I don't, I don't know. Can you, you can't get sued for that, can you? I don't know. Like, they they sued... Uh, like, because it was an ad, they, uh, they told Sam Alvey that he couldn't do the spray tan thing. Because I'm wondering, like, well... I, maybe you can't sue them, but, like, I want to... Would they blur out your tattoo? Like, if you just... <laughs> <laughs> it feel like that would just be weird. Like they're in the broadcast, and you just blur out his entire chest because they have the Jordan logo. I want to say like they made a dude in the NBA. I think it was Gortat. I think he had like a deal with um. What the fuck was their name? It might have been Reebok, Reebok or I don't know. I have no shoes like that. But he had the Jordan logo on his like the back of his leg. So they just made him tape over it. <laughs> oh, man. Somebody needs to do this. We need a fighter out there. Sacrifice your body. Get a Jordan logo uh, somewhere very visible. Darren Elkins, you got damage tattooed on your freaking chest like an idiot. You could definitely, you would definitely <laughs> do the Jordan logo. I'm just saying. Oh, man. Yeah, somebody, somebody's got to do that. Um, I, if Michael Jordan doesn't sponsor Brandon Gertz from now on, I don't know what he's doing with his money. Hey man, he's earned he's earned that 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 mark. I mean, literally, he earned it. Like he, yeah, like he that ate was destined. so many punches and knees. I think it was a knee too. Yeah, well, I think it was a knee that got. That's you got to get kneed really hard. That like <laughs> an entire like five inches of your head just like like it just caves in. And there's just Scott. Oh my God, I don't know how that dude was still standing, man. Gertz is like top five toughest dudes on the entire planet. Like, yep. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm looking at the next Bellator card. It's really good, by the way. It's not um, who is it? Who's uh, Kharshkov and Jakowani in the main event. Brandon Ward and um, Fernando Gonzalez, Georgie Karakanyan, Daniel Pineda, uh, AJ McKee Jr. and Blair Tugman. AJ. Um, Talita Noguera makes her Bellator debut finally against Gabriel uh, Holloway uh, and Chris Honeycutt versus Kevin Casey. Hey, oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Really? Uh, not since they cut him. Did they cut him right after? It might have been. No, 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 no. It was the um, he fought once after. I thought they cut him after he lost on the card work. At, at right immediately after Muhammad Ali died, <laughs> and they spent the whole car talking about how he was his father-in-law. Man, and then that, that's a good car. Yeah, that actually is a good car. And then in October, I know we get Caldwell and Dantes, which I'm praying nobody gets injured in that fight. And October's a while, but yeah. Shout out to Bellator, Put, putting on some some good cards. Good cards. Hopefully the fights pan out good. Right. right? Bellator has this thing about, like, putting together, like, good cards that they are evenly matched, but they just don't pan out as good fights, which is really weird. I feel like they're, it, okay, they're it, okay fights. It wouldn't be Bellator if it didn't, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just a Bellator thing for some reason. Yeah. Um, sadly. I'll I'll let you handle this main event. I'll let you kick this off uh, since you, your boy got the W. 
Yo. <laughs> Yo. So, in the main event for uh, UFC Fight Night 113 uh, Glasgow, we have the Argentinian monster Santiago Ponzinibbio knocking out Gunnar Nelson <laughs> in about 82 seconds. <laughs> Oh, man. This is hard to watch. Gunner, you need to learn to tuck your chin. Oh, God. Like, there's not a whole lot to talk about. The fight opens up with uh, Nelson. I don't even remember the punch that rocked Ponzinibbio. Um, It might have been a hook. Or was it a lead lead left? I can't remember. I I feel like it was a left. I can't remember, though. I think it was a left. Or they got cross, but it, it hurt Ponzinibbio pretty bad to the point where I was not staring at the screen, but I heard the punch land. Like it was really bad. Um, from there, like Gunner landed a left uh, a hook that also rocked Ponzinibbio. Um, oh, uh, then Ponzinibbio shuffle steps. Like, he takes two little shuffle steps as they're about to exchange and lands a big right hand that just fucks Nelson's day up. Grabs his shorts as Nelson tries to run away. <laughs> like, the on the opposite side so the referee can't see it. Um, and then as Nelson turns around along the cage, he laces him up with, like, a few punches that just immediately put Nelson out. There was also an eye poke in there, but that doesn't count. So <laughs> it doesn't count. So screw y'all. So, just for the viewers, right before uh, we actually started recording, somebody tagged me in a post on Facebook with the eye poke. So there were allegedly, I want to say it was three or four. Um, I only saw the one, the one right before the punch. There was there was one. It was one before the punch. There was another one where. One was kind of questionable. Like, he threw an overhand right, but, like, his fingers were out. And it kind of, like, it looked like it might have grazed him. But, um, I just remember that, that last punch he landed that just, like, when Gunner just crashed to the floor. It, it, I felt like my, my heart just split in two the second <laughs> Gunner just hit the ground. Like, he, he looked really good up until that point, And then he just, yeah, man, you got to protect your chin. It's, whew. Yeah, he got cleaned, man. He he got he got cleaned. It's yeah, it's, it's not a lot to <laughs> elaborate on. Like, uh, I really like Gunner, I really do. But after the um the story fight, I kind of figured this was his ceiling. Not because like he lost the story fight, like because I I think Rick's story throughout his career was just underrated, because people didn't like him because of that fight with um. Alves, where he just held him across, held him against the cage for like the vast majority of it. But like, Story is a talented dude. Uh, not Story. I'm sorry. Um, Nelson's a talented dude, but he refuses to learn from his mistakes. Like, if I can't remember the words exactly, but paraphrasing, like after the story phase, like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna go double down on what I've done so far. And, like, that's just not a recipe for, like, success. I think he said the same thing against, after he lost to Maya, where, like, 
would you do anything different? He's like, no. Like, I get not having regrets, but, like, part of being a martial art artist is to learn from your mistakes. He hasn't really done that. Which is why I favored um, Ponzinibbio in this fight going in, because I thought Ponzinibbio was going to win it, like, on cards. Like, I didn't expect, um... I didn't expect him to knock Gunner out in 90 seconds. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't yeah, expect that. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw that coming. But I, I thought he would, um, he'd just be able to eventually, like, I, I think once he had Gunner's uh, timing down on that right hand or left hand or whatever, because I can't remember if Gunner's like a southpaw or orthodox, I think he's orthodox. <clears throat> once he had that timing down and once he had his tells down, he would, um, He'd be able to just like do what Story did, is just like just put volume on him. Even if it's not landing, it's like scoring on the judges' scorecards. And oh, I'm really happy that Ponzinibbio won, by the way. <laughs> In case you all couldn't tell, <laughs> because Ponzinibbio, first non-Brazilian Latin American contender we've had, <coughs> possibly. Like, ever? I can't... I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Like, this might be the closest I ever get to, um... No, I, I, I guess we can count Valentina Shevchenko. Um, you know, Peru. I can, so, you know, I'm definitely counting her. But first male, like, Latin American fighter. And like, this could really open up a lot of doors. <laughs> I didn't realize Gunnar was ranked number eight. Yes, he was. And Ponzinibbio was, like, just in the top 15. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be, uh... I hope he gets the winner of Robbie Lawler, Donald Cerrone. You think they jump him up that far? Do you want like, do you want to run him against somebody who just, like... I can see them giving, uh, giving him Jorge Masvidal, but, like, do you really want to do... I, I, I'd be I, down I for a, a Dos Anjos fight. True, true. I'd be but, down for that. But I guess... I, 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 I don't know what they do with him. I, I'd love to see the Waller Cerrone fight just because I think stylistically that makes all the sense in the world. Like this big bruising uh, puncher versus... Uh, boxer versus like... A guy who up until recently was probably the most dangerous dude in MMA and Robbie Lawler or one of the you know, most actioniest action fighters ever in Donald Cerrone. Right. So I, I think that that fight for number one contender would make a whole lot of sense. Or Masvidal. So any one of those three. Well, see, I mean, the, really in that whole like top ten, the, those are all pretty like solid matchups that he could get. Because like the Neil Siri fight, like I, I'm not Neil Siri, Neil Magny. Like, I like Manny a lot. I, I like that he beat Johnny Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I don't put a lot of stock in a top 10 fighter beating Neil Magny. Like, I'm sorry. I know he beat Gaslam. I know he beat Hendricks, but... There's just something about his style that just screams... Like, I, I'm here to be beat for guys who are really good. Yeah, I think... Um, Ponzinibbio is really good. We'll see. We'll see. He definitely uh, 
He definitely put some people on notice. I was not expecting a chin check of that magnitude. <laughs> See, if anything, you'd, you'd expect like Gunner to be the dude to put, the, right. to put him down. Yeah, did not expect to see Gunner on his back like that. But an awesome win for, for Ponzinibbio. Um, really, man, this entire card was pretty solid from top to bottom. Uh, uh, Cynthia Calvillo and Joan Calderwood. Um, Calvillo, what, 2-0 now, UFC? Uh, 3-0. 3-0? Dude, I have to point out, Calvillo's only been a pro fighter for like 11 months. Yeah, man, she's doing work. <laughs> she's already a top 10 fighter. Yeah, she is doing work. And against JoJo, who's a very, very good fighter, man, and I, 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 I was impressed. I know it probably wasn't the most action-packed fight, but Calvillo, man, I think she's the real deal. I I, I want to see her. I want to see how she'll do against like a top, a top name. I don't know if she'll win, but I, I I'm saying slow your brakes on her because again, she's only been fighting for like eleven months, pro. Like I know she has amateur experience for like two or three years. She disappeared for a couple of years and then she went pro. But, like, I don't need to see her go fight a Claudia Goodell or you want to Jay check her next. Like, no, 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 definitely not that. Like, I'd be down for Cavillo, um, that was Michelle Waterson, Cavillo, Carla Sparza. Um, so, anybody from, like, I think that, like. Felice Herrig. Yeah, like, that 5 to 10 range, I think she. I think she could hold her own against anybody in this five to ten range. Yeah, like especially like this fight was really kind of eye opening in terms of just like her, where her wrestling is at. She got two takedowns, but it seemed pretty clear that uh, there was just like the the wrestling is not there, like her grappling game is, because her grappling game is as smooth as it gets. Like she almost armbarred uh. Joanne uh, Calderwood here was like 10 seconds left in the first round. She only didn't get it because she realized there was only 10 seconds left and went to go pound her to the ground, uh, to the body. Right. She almost choked her out in the end of the third round, I think. Yeah, she was doing a good job at like the end of the round. I, I guess, I don't know if you could say maybe that might have stole her some of these rounds where like, and it seemed like, and and I was um, I'd actually watched the fight over my friend's house, so I was in like a room for the people, and we all were noticing that like it was always right around like that thirty-five second mark, <laughs> like it was instinct she would just go for a takedown, and I think she got it like every time she went for it. Uh, she actually did go for some in like the beginning of the first and the second round, but they were really bad shots. I want to say, it could be wrong. But, like, they were ones where she instantly gave up on. So it, was, it wasn't it was anything, uh, like, Romero getting all the way in on um, Whitaker's hips. It was just like, oh, I'm going to shoot for a takedown from here. Oh, she's stopping me. Let me stop right here and go back to bouncing on my feet. No. And that's another thing. Like, you can tell, like, she's really still trying to get adjusted to the striking because... She spent a lot of time just bouncing on her feet, just not doing anything. And it wasn't like this, This uh, it wasn't like Dominic Cruz, like, who's out there, like, oh, I'm going to bounce here, bounce here, and it's a part of my pattern, so I have an escape route. It's just, she was out there just kind of, like, just bouncing to bounce and using that to try to be tricky. Um... <clears throat> 
kind of surprised Calderwood didn't take more advantage of it by throwing more leg kicks. Like she threw a, quite a few, but like I, I think Kavir was hit there to be hit more. But Kavir did a really good job just striking with her. Yeah, I, I thought rose. Calderwood would have had a lot, like a clearer advantage on the feet, but it, it seemed a lot closer than I thought it would be. Like I edged it out towards Calderwood. And if this was just like straight up striking for like three rounds, but Cavill definitely kept it close and was really tagging her at a few points. Like, like she, it, she would throw like four or five punch combination, punch kick combinations, and uh, like maybe only one punch would land, but it would be like a one punch where like it was a real, a really good solid shot. Right. It wasn't like glancing. Props to her for being in a co-main event. <laughs> your... Dude, she's one of Dana's favorite fighters. Yeah, man. She's 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 rising up there. Team Alpha Male bonus. Hey. Uh, as long as you're performing like that, uh, I won't. I won't. Uh, I'm not gonna question it. So yeah, shout outs to her, man. That was, that was a really really a uh, good win and. Speaking of good wins, speaking of violent wins, um, <laughs> Paul Felder and uh, Stevie Ray, um, elbows everywhere. Very elbows violent. And <laughs> knees, knees, bro. Just, I, I, I like watching Felder fight, man. This dude, win or, win or lose, man, I feel like his fights are normally pretty entertaining. And this fight was just, just vicious, just. Oh my God! That those elbows were just ugh. You don't come back from those. Like it's, you just you just don't come back from those. I don't really know what else to say. Like you you get elbowed that hard. There's just there's not a lot of options other than to just lose. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know what else to really say. But. What a shitty night for Scotland. You have one guy win on the entire card. Ah, oh, who who got the W? I'm trying to look and see. Denny Henry. Oh yeah, we'll get that. that was an awesome fight too. Yeah, but um, he was the only he was the only Scottish player on this card that won. Man. But, yeah, like Stevie Ray and um, Paul Craig, not good nights. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but uh, Felder, double collar tie, knee, elbows, just. Simple, violent shit from Felder. <laughs> Love it. Like, like you said, there's not a whole lot to talk about other than I don't think Stevie Ray's ever fought like extensively in a clinch with a good clinch striker. So I think that might have cost him. That's scary, Cause he man. Because he was not doing anything to fight the tie, like the collar tie up. Like Felder just had his way. It wasn't even like his back was against the gate. It was like they were both like just leaning up against the gate. And Felder just cracked him with a knee up the middle. And just... You could tell almost immediately if Stevie Ray was to get it up because his legs went over his head. <laughs> and it was just like... He was just like sitting there. Yeah. Like... And then, that's crazy, like... Felder's a really talented dude, and he's not even ranked top fifteen. Like, nah. <laughs> he keeps losing. Oh, yeah, like, he, yeah, he has had some some 
Yeah, he has Every time he gets like a veteran name, he like just comes up short. Like he lost to Ross Pearson, he lost to Francisco Trinaldo. Neither one of those are bad losses, but like Ross Pearson's also a dude Stevie Ray beat. But man, but yeah, man, Felder was the man that night. Those those helped dude, were, were, were beautiful. And his, and his story, just going into this camp and everything, like. Shit, like, did you hear, like, did you hear any of his post play or what they were saying during the, sh- uh, the show? Uh, no, I don't think I caught it. His dad died, like, a week before his camp started. Oh. And he literally walked to the cage with, like, his dad's a- ashes in a necklace. Oh, no, 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 I think I did see that. I think I did hear something about that. Hey, man, he, performance of a lifetime, then, that was, oof. Anybody who has to go against that dude, man, is protecting that. <laughs> Definitely, man. That that was some violent. Just there was a lot of violence on this card. I, I guess uh, I'll kind of skip the Marshman and uh, that fight. Uh, speaking of, of violence, and you mentioned his name earlier, uh, Paul Craig, uh, unfortunately had to meet Khalil Roundtree, and um, yeah, this fight didn't end too well for him. Um. Khalil's a just a really just freakishly strong, <laughs> like, athletic, powerful dude. Dude is Joel Romero light. Right. <laughs> like, like a light, light, but <laughs> damn. But this dude just hits incredibly hard for no reason. It's, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, man, Paul Craig, I mean, the fight, I think it only lasted one round, and... Yeah, he just—he's kind of. He, it almost wow. seemed like he had like, like he knew he was gonna win. Like there were points in the fight where like he completely just had his hands down, just. Dude, he was just fucking air humping at one point, trying to get credit to like commit on something. Right. <laughs> it was very Anderson Silva-ish, like with like it was almost like a disdain. Like he just knew he was gonna win, and. Yeah, my God, did he? Oof. Yeah, that's that's um, dude you don't want to get get uh you don't, don't want to get cracked against. Your chin might not hold up too well. It was really interesting. Um, like Craig committed to nothing in this fight, by the way. Like he spent after uh Roundtree showed him like just how hard he could hit. Craig kind of just like shut down and spent a lot of time circling. Um, he's always been a dude that kind of thrived in, like, chaos and, like, scrambles and stuff. So that's where a lot of his submission wins come from. I was really expecting him to go out there and just try to, not muscle Roundtree, but just, like, wrap up with him and try to end up on the ground. Because Roundtree is notoriously bad at defending takedowns. Like, absurdly bad. <laughs> but as soon as Roundtree just... Planted his feet and threw a punch. Like he, Craig shut down, almost instantly. Um, on Roundtree's side of it, I was really surprised. I, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I was happy to see like he he didn't just go out there and try to blitz Craig. Immediately, he was kind of he was really patient. He tried to draw Craig out. Craig wouldn't come. Uh, Craig wouldn't give him anything. So he he would uh, throw like a one, two, three punch combination sometimes. Um, mostly just flinging that freaking right hand. 
But he managed to catch Craig. Uh, as Craig, It looked like Craig was finally about to commit to something. But it was literally Craig just dunking into uh, Roundtree's chest at the end of the, four, uh, the first round. With like 11 seconds left. He ducks with both hands up in the high guard. And Roundtree cracks him with an uppercut. Right between the hands, <laughs> and just and knocks him on, and just like knocks him down, and just proceeds to land some vicious ground and pound from there. Yeah, and this, that's all she wrote. Yeah. Oh, let's not forget the round two just standing over Craig's freaking right. conscious carcass. Just, it was so disrespectful. Like, you think he's going over there to like. I don't know, you know, some dudes, you know, they, they knock somebody out, but they go over to check on them and make sure, you know, they're, like, really okay, not hurt bad. Like, no, he just stood over him, like... I don't know what Craig said to Roundtree to make him so angry, but, like, the Scottish fans were not having it. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. It's I don't fun. know if he addressed that, like, in the post-fight. It was like, it... it you... No, he was just like, I, I came to do what I, what I was gonna do. Like, he was very, like, businessman about it. Like, I think he made, like, some snide remark about, like, not, like, just, like, about Craig and just in general, but I, d I don't think he said, like, what Craig did to piss him off. Apparently, Craig has a mouth on him, because, um, Stevie Ray, he has beef with Stevie Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like, Stevie Ray was putting up, like, a GoFundMe so he could afford a train in, for, at TriStar, and Craig sent something on Twitter about, like, that's not what GoFundMe's for. Um, you should, you and your wife should stop popping out children. And maybe you'll be able to afford the train. Like, this is all alleged. I don't know if, like, Craig actually said these things, but that's what Stevie Ray said. That's why he said he hoped Roundtree would knock him out. Well, he definitely, uh, <laughs> he, did, he definitely got his wish. Point being, I don't think it'd be, a, like, a huge surprise if, like, uh, Craig said something to Roundtree at the weigh-ins and, like, Roundtree took it to heart. Yeah, because you don't stand over somebody like that, like, just on a whim. Like, there, there had to have been a pass, something. I mean, Roundtree might be, a, like, a, a, like, insane. It could be. He could just be, like, insanely, uh, or just, like, insanely bad person. We don't know. We don't know anything about Roundtree. We don't, other than he hits incredibly hard. <laughs> and he has like the one of the best finishes in the history of tough. <laughs> Man, and he's a light he's heavyweight. At, he's he's at yeah. five. Uh, and he only weighs two hundred three pounds, which I find hilarious because he is a monster of a man. Oof. But yeah, awesome uh, win. Very violent win. Um, this next fight, yeah, I just kind of brush over it because it honestly wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Justin Willis beat James. I'm gonna butcher his last name, Mulheron, something like that. <laughs> James Mulheron. Mulheron. There we go. Uh, unanimous decision. That fight wasn't a whole lot to. Honestly, good. it was not a. It wasn't good. Yeah, it was not a good, and it it really sucked because uh, we'll get to him. The prelims on this card were amazing. And then you get to the Willis fight, which kicked off the main car, and it kind of sucked the life out of everything for a little bit. But um, these prelims, man, uh, Danny Roberts and Bobby Nash <laughs> was a pretty good fight. And I remember I thought Bobby Nash looked pretty decent, and then he got cracked with a left. And uh, that, 
That seems to be like what Bobby Nash is just like built for in the in the UFC. Because this happened in the last his first fight in the UFC too, where he looked good in the first round, and then just got faded in the second. Man, and he boy he got cracked. Like that left hand was was bad business. <laughs> like Dude, it was set up beautifully too. Uh, Roberts landed like a body kick that just landed straight across Nash's chest, and you can see Nash like as um, Roberts goes to throw the punch, like he doesn't see it coming because he thinks it's going to be a kick, like something to the body. Like you can see him like just kind of like duck into the punch. And it just, oof. Oof. Props to Danny Roberts, who probably, like, did he get rocked in this fight at all? Or knocked down or anything? I, or? I'm pretty sure in the first round I thought he ate, like, a pretty hard shot. Alright, then never mind, because Danny Roberts, former pro boxer who just gets continually hurt in every single fight he's in. Hey, well... I guess if you can take it, you can dish. Well, he he can dish it. He <laughs> clearly he can oh, dish yeah. it. Um, this next fight it was also pretty uh, great fight. Uh, retirement fight. Neil Siri and Alexandre. How do you say his last name? Pantoja. Pantoja. Pantoja or Pantoja? I can't remember. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty exciting uh, fight. Unfortunately for Siri, uh, he he lost his retirement fight via submission, but. I mean, if if anything, at least you know it wasn't like a, a terrible loss and like a fight that he looked bad. He definitely went out guns blazing. He was definitely going for it. Like this is, I said the same thing when Brad Pickett retired and lost in his his fight. This is peak. This is basically like Neil Siri's career in like a nutshell. He looks good. He gives like a tough test. But at the end of the day, he just kind of go. He, he, the other guy, the younger, um, uh, the younger guy with the higher ceiling, just like takes the win over. Yeah. But that sucks because Neil Siri's a damn good fighter. Like his re- his record sixteen and thirteen. Like that's probably one of the more deceptive records in MMA. Because he just started off his career just fighting whoever. He started off his career one in four. So, I don't know what weight he was fighting in, but I don't think it was flyweight. Yeah, I about to say, he probably started off probably a weight or two weight classes above that, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like, this is a dude who started his career like seven and eight in his first 15 fights and turned it around to go like, what was it, eight and... Five, while fighting in the UFC and Cage Warriors, so uh, dude's had a hell of a respectable career. He even looked good in this fight. Yeah, like yeah, he didn't look bad at all. Like it was like, a, it, a pretty solid showing. Like and no, like Neil Siri is how old again? Like I want to see, he's like he, uh, got to be somewhere mid thirties. Neil Siri is a look. Damn it, he's a thirty-seven-year-old man who has been fighting for twelve years, who kept pace the entire fight with a man who was ten years younger than him. Yeah, 
and landed like, some good absurd. shots. Absurd. Like yeah, like he gave him a tough fight. And Chester Pantoja, because this was probably like the smartest fight I've ever seen him fight. Like he still got into like his wild exchanges on the feet, but he found an avenue that minimized risk and like he was dominating in when he was pressuring uh Siri into the uh into the cage and just like working knees to the body there. So that was good to see. I I don't think he ever touches of like a flyweight title fight, but I look forward to Pantoja versus Smolka because that'd be a great fight. Or Moraga. I'd probably rather see the Smolka. I think I'd... Actually, no, no, I wouldn't be mad at either of those. I just, I don't know, I feel like Moraga might might be able to... Uh, actually, no, I can't really say that. I don't know. Yeah, either of those would, would definitely be good, but... Yeah, shout shout outs to Siri, man. You always, you know, always root for the retirement guy just because. But if if anything, even if you you lose, you, you put on a great fight. I feel like that's the best you can ask for, you know, at, at this point. So best best of luck to him and you know whatever he chooses to do next after fighting. And yeah, shout out to Pen. Uh, I've got to go his name again. Let's <laughs> say Alexandre. Uh, Definitely put on a good performance, solid win, and, and got a finish in what was a, a pretty, pretty tough outing. Um, oh, this next fight, which I'm going to add and say, um, like, KO of the night, is that still a thing, or is that not? Yeah, uh, it's performance of the night, and it went, this one went to, um... It went to Danny Henry and, uh... Daniel Tamor got fight of the night. Santa, uh, oh, yeah. Santiago Ponzinibbio yeah. and Paul Felder got performance of the night. No Ponzi's your boy. This was... This, this to me, by and far, was performance of the night. I, I don't think it's a question. Because I can't remember the last time... Actually, you know what? I can. I think the last time I've seen something remotely close to this um, was the Boch fight. I can't remember the guy he fought, but he kind of... <laughs> he kind of tossed him on his head, too. It wasn't, like, the same kind of throw, but he had threw him on his head, and he, like, landed against the cage, and then I think he ground and pounded a little bit. But, anywho, um, Galore Bofondo, if I'm saying that right, uh, went against Charlie Ward. I'd actually just heard of Bofondo, like, a couple of days before the fight, and I saw, like, some highlights of something somebody had posted on Twitter. And I'd gathered that uh, this gentleman is <laughs> very great at kicking people, <laughs> like pretty exceptional uh, with kicks. I think the first highlight I saw from him was like some kind of crazy will kick KO or something like that. And um, but this fight, he didn't need kicks. I mean, he used them a little bit, but he got a KO off of uh, <laughs> a throw in which. He just kind of tossed Charlie Ward on his head. <laughs> yeah, he literally, no, he, he literally just, like, tossed Charlie Ward on his head. just, like, it, maybe, like, tossed, he just shrugged Yeah, him like, they were, it, it, it looked, it was like a typical, like, we're clinching or, like, we're, you know, we're having our little battle against the cage, and now I'm just gonna just kind of shrug you off of me to get you, you know, so I can create space, but... Instead of creating space, he just threw the man on his head. Like, 
and like you knew the KO, like I knew it instantly, like because when Ward hit the ground, he just kind of had that look, like he didn't know what was going on. Like as soon as he hit the ground, you could just tell, like he's clearly not here right now. And like Ward hit the ground, like your drug friend, like when he stumbles <laughs> off the corner, and like he just hits the ground, and you and you think he just killed himself, <laughs> like. He he's just walking down the he's just walking down the street just like trips over his ankles and just lands like dome first where his neck just like yeah. looks like it's like breaking. I thought it was, I mean I, I guess it's it's hard to say because you know obviously I've I've never really been thrown like that so I've, this is just me speculating you know Jim you know couch warrior but I would think that if someone threw me I would try to like break my fall or like. Put my hand land, out or land better. Yeah, yeah. that was that was like okay, like for those who don't know, Charlie Ward is um training partners with one Conor McGregor, and that's the only reason he's in the UFC. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, he's probably tough as nails or whatever, or whatever. But like, he he if if we were talking like just straight up um like. Just straight up ability and accomplishment. Try Ward probably is in the UFC. Uh, so uh, I'm not surprised he didn't know how to land not on his head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think that's how you land. No, when someone tosses you. Not at all. <laughs> like here's the thing, though. Like it's not like we keep like I keep saying toss. It's literally just shrugged, because prior to uh, being you know, thrown on his head, like Ward was going for his own trip takedown. Buffundo had literally just countered him. It was literally just tossing him off of him so he could go back to striking. Ward, like, his feet just leave the ground as Buffundo is throwing him, and he lands on his head. <laughs> not his shoulder, not his forearm, like, not with either one of his <laughs> legs on the ground, but on his head. Like, literally on his head. And, like, he followed up with some ground and pound. I don't even know if that was needed, like... In all, like, all fairness, it was like blink of an eye. Like Buffundo's really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and and you don't, you probably don't expect to get a KO off of that. So I mean, it's probably just natural that he followed up. But yeah, yeah, yeah man. He just, I'll say though, Galore was a very athletic, um, and he showed flashes of his kicks. He didn't, you know, because the fight didn't last that long. So we should, we should mention this fight was like not very good up until. Buffundo throws this man on his head. That wasn't like, a whole. Was, yeah, it wasn't a whole lot, really. There was not. Yeah, there was not much happening. But like the crowd was actually booing because Buffundo refused to just like straight up brawl with Ward. But that throw was amazing. And uh, shout outs to um, oh god, what is her name? Is it Esther Lynn, photographer? Yes. Man, she has an amazing picture of that throw. Like right at the perfect moment <laughs> when Ward like head like when his head like first hit the canvas, 
it, where literally his head was the only thing right. keeping him on the ground. Right. <laughs> she put, man, that picture, she, I follow her on Twitter, man, she's like the god MMA photographer. Like, I don't know how she just manages to capture, like, the most perfect moment, like, at the perfect angle and... Dude, she's had a hell of a few weeks, because she caught, like, what was, oh my god, the knee... In the Gaethje fight, the knee in the Pettis uh, Miller fight, and the knee in the um the Romero uh, the Romero Whitaker fight. Yeah, man, she's she's putting in work. <laughs> she's she's putting in work. Whatever checks she's getting, she is definitely earning them. But and she's working the um the Mayweather McGregor fight. Oh boy, <laughs> so. more to come. But yeah, man. Hey. Watch McGregor land, like, one punch and Esterling get a picture of it. He's going to post up on his Twitter and be like, touch the green. But, man, shout-outs to Galore. Um, well, one of the more unique KOs you'll probably see all year. Um, yeah. And then I guess to mention, since this did get um, uh, fight of the night, uh, Danny Henry and uh, Daniel Taymor, um really awesome striking match <laughs> pretty much what this was i didn't realize how small Tamor was Tamor's a featherweight yeah they, and they mentioned that he's dropping to um he's dropping the 45 after this fight dude i'm, I'm looking forward to it because he looked great here for the first eight minutes seven minutes of the fight yeah but his over aggression just cost him like you can't keep up that type of pace like it, he was at one point just headhunting, trying to stop the fight. Because he just realized there was such an athletic gap between the two, and such a power gap, that he, he could just keep absorbing, he thought he could keep absorbing Henry's punches, but he couldn't. And eventually Henry just caught him on something. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Tamor's just gasping, just emptied out. I'm honest to God, surprised he didn't freaking get stopped. Dude's crazy tough. It, it was weird yeah. too because I remember like when this fight started, I was like, the size difference looked crazy. But like I remember when he fought Lando, and I felt like dude, that size is I don't know maybe. Uh, no, 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 this is his brother. Huh? Oh, oh, his... snap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, hold on, this it couldn't be the same. Okay. Oh no, they did mention that during the broadcast too. Yeah, this is bro this is um crap. Crap. So what's the brother's name? You still there? Uh oh. I might have lost my co host. No, no, I hit the mute button on accident. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, no, his brother's David. Okay, yeah, David. Yeah, okay, that is good. Man, they're both had to been a rough childhood. I imagine they just beat the crap out of each other. Dude, they were according to the broadcast team, they were literally just going to Thailand at like fourteen, fifteen years old to go get like professional training. Mm. But yeah, him him at forty five would definitely be a good move because yeah, you could yeah, you could definitely clearly see he was kind of just. Henry was just so much bigger than he was. And, I mean, not to take away from, you know, his skill set or anything, but the the size difference was, it was just, it was it was very, very visible. So, yeah, him at 45 definitely would probably be a, a good look for him. And I, 
Imagine he's going to put a couple kickboxing clinics on a few people down there. But yeah, that was definitely worthy of a uh, definitely worthy of fight of the night. Not not Madison getting that at all. It was pretty back and forth. Um, but yeah, eventually Henry just yeah kind of ended up taking over, and Taymor just the gas tank was empty. He was just kind of running on fumes, <laughs> but kind of just wasn't enough to to get the W out. Um, I can't really comment on the prelim fights because I. I think I saw part of the Brett Johns fight, but not enough to even... I think I saw, like, the very end of the third. And um, But Brett Johns got a unanimous decision over Albert uh, Morales. And from what I'm hearing, Leslie, Leslie Smith had a great showing against uh, Amanda... How do you say her last name? Lamos? Lamos. Le- Lemos. Lemos. Um, but I also missed that fight. Um, but I heard it was pretty entertaining, so I got to go back and catch that one. Yeah, but... Uh... Lemos looked good for like the first five minutes of the fight, but by the end of the first, it seemed pretty clear that uh, she could not keep up the pace that uh, Smith was fighting at. Like she has some of the fastest hands I've ever seen on like a female MMA fighter. Like she's she is just straight up like Amanda Nunes like in her younger days, but I think she's slightly more, slightly more technical than Amanda Nunes used to be. Like when she was at the same point in her career. But she is so small for 135. Uh, she's a one. She's a 125er, through and through. God, they need to make that division. They need to just start. They they have the division. They just need to start booking fights. For them. Right. Like there are girls who want to move up and move down. Like, what was the girl's name who fought um, Ashley Evan Smith? And was just like doing spinning shit on her. It's, uh... it's not Caitlin. It's not Caitlin Vera. It's um. It was. It is Caitlin Vera. Caitlin Vera. There we go. No, no, it was Veronica. Um... No, it was Veronica. Macedo. Like, she is a prime example of somebody who needs to be at one twenty-five. She she is too talented to not be in the UFC or like or not have a big stage to fight on, but she's also only five four. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's oof. Like get like get her, get Lemos, get Calderwood, get Harris, not Harris, um, get Rawlings, get like all these women who struggle in their weight class and just let them fight at one twenty five. Right. And it won't like, be, you, you know what I'm saying, it's not like, it, it won't be like a 45 situation. Like, you're instantly going to have, like, a roster. Or at least, yeah, like, a solid yeah. top 15. And, like, I get they want to do the show and, like, have all these people on the show. But, like, they had Paige Van Zant and, um, God, what, who else was fighting? Like, uh, you want to and Jacek and Claudia Gedalia. Like, these women were fighting in the UFC before the tough show ended. So... Uh, maybe they just want to wait to announce the weight cl- like the fighters that are going to be on the show, but like I-, I think they should just go for it and just like let these women start fighting at their natural weight class now. Yeah. Get the wars in while you can, you know. Yeah. And it'll be better than the shenanigans at forty five where <laughs> nobody even knows what's going on. Where there are forty five, like, three there are three fighters. <laughs> right. One of them might move back to one thirty five. <laughs> 
Right, like 25, man. It's, it's a lot, a, a lot of potential just going on over there. You could have so many some One, fights. 125, legitimately, in three years, could be the best division of women. Like, matter of fact, like by this, if they really wanted to, by this time next year, it could be just as deep and just as good as the women's 115 is. Right. We'll see. Hopefully they they take heed, but. I don't know. You know, UFC gonna do what they gonna do. I, I kind of hate these shows they do, but no, I guess I get why they do it. But tough we'll is stop. like apparent. Tough is the most um the, of the TV shows FS1 runs. Tough is the only one that gets any type of rating. Really? I didn't think people still <laughs> like com- the, compared to like when 10 million people used to tune in for Tough. Like yeah, no, it gets like 300 to 500 thousand people to tune in a week. But that's probably like the best rated show on FS1. Like that's way more than they get for freaking what's the blowhard's name? Skip Bayless. Oh, undisputed. undisputed. Yeah, like undisputed gets like nine hundred thousand people, or not nine hundred thousand, ninety thousand. My bad. Wow. Like nine. Yeah, like it is not a lot there. I'm surprised. Actually, I would think that would be a lot. A lot more. Oh, yes. People don't rock with Skip and Shannon. <laughs> well, it's that. It's just like changing TV trends. Like, if you're a 50-something-year-old man and you've been going to ESPN for, like, the past decade for your MMA, your, not MMA, your sport hot takes. Yeah, you're not jumping to Fox Sports 1. Yeah, like, you're not going to go yeah. and change your ways. Like, see, was, the last tough I watched, I, I think it was the one with Michael Johnson. I think that was the last one that, like, I actually watched. Yeah, after that, I just kind of left that show alone. But like the last I guess one I watched was the um, crap, the one with Uriah seventeen. Oh wait, uh, Uriah Hall. Yeah, Uriah. Yes, yeah, I didn't even catch that one. I just saw the highlights of his KO, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll keep it on this guy. <laughs> but man, I imagine though, for the fighters, it's probably a great experience though. Like, oh yeah, like if you're Calvin Gastelum and you're training in like Yuma and like. You have no connections and you're losing money, like trying to compete in the sport. It's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity to a get in the UFC and b just make like a lot of connections. Right. So yeah. You now now you can go train with Chael Sonnen or you can go train with John Jones and not be just a complete stranger. Right. And we see so Brandon, we see it paid off Brandon too. Moreno. Yeah, like Brandon Moreno, dude didn't even last like. Dude didn't get out the first round. Now he's about to go for his like third top ten win in flyweight in less than a year, right. because he got to a proper training camp. We just had um freaking Santiago Ponzinibbio, another dude who, through tough, was able to get in the UFC, get a real paycheck, and like make a career and like make a really good career where he's about to, where he's about to be a contender. Neil Magny, another one. Yeah, so I guess they got to keep it around for that. So yeah, I mean, as a fan, I'm not I, a huge. I, I I I would love it if they did like a fresh thing where they actually followed like fighters in their actual camps and like in their daily lives, and turn that into like the the. the yeah, I feel like yeah, I would watch Tough a lot more if it was like that instead of just kind of. Like, yeah, if it was more authentic and more about like. Like the actual fight that, game, you know. Yeah. Tough. Like that, tough just seems what, like the real what, world with. But, with MMA. Yeah, here's the thing. Like the people who watch tough don't watch MMA, they watch reality T V. Right. 
And it's just like, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's, but I, I guess it's working. That's crazy. I didn't know that they're blowing Skip Bayless and Shannon out in rating. <laughs> well, it, it makes sense because, like, Bayless, I think they come on during the day, right? Well, the, like, most shows do, tough, though, because, like. Tough, tough, no, tough comes on at, like, prime time. Yeah, that is true. But a lot of sports shows come on in the day, though. Like, I remember, like. I, don't, it's a, I can't remember First Take is still a thing, but I used to watch First Take all the time. And First Take comes on at like 9 in the morning. First Take, um, I think their ratings... I can't... Oh, God. Um, I want to say, like, ratings-wise, they did um, they did about what Tough does. Like, they do, like, 500 to 600,000. And Skip Shandy, I gotta step it up. <laughs> Getting ninety thousand, man. It's not it's not good numbers, man. It's, ugh. I don't but, think Bayless cares. He's get, he's guaranteed to get paid. So yeah, he's winning either way. Man, both of them probably getting paid pretty decent. But oh, so we're coming up on <laughs> almost two hours. Um, we got we got we covered a lot though. We definitely covered a lot. Um, I guess before we end, as always, uh. Pardon shots and shout outs. Um, I'm going to quickly go through. Uh, I'm going to quickly just do three shout outs. Um, first shout out, uh, you mentioned him earlier. I'm just going to reiterate because uh, I've mentioned him uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, Logan Storley uh, made his Bellator debut, uh, won by TKO uh, el- with elbows. I did not see the fight, but I heard it was pretty uh, typical Logan Storley fight where he takes you down and just kind of mauls you. So, <laughs> um, dude, is he's definitely somebody to, to keep an eye on. Uh, second shout-out will go to uh, one man named Jimmy Flick, <laughs> who fought recently on LFA 16 this past weekend and pulled a pretty big upset against uh, former UFC fighter Johnny Bedford. Um, I can't remember the odds, but I know he was a pretty big underdog in this fight and he managed to pull off i think it was a rear naked choke yeah he was a plus uh plus 350 uh underdog and bedford was a minus 500 favorite and uh flick uh put him to sleep so uh <laughs> shout outs to flick this is easily probably i'm guessing the biggest win of his career and um my last shout out uh glory kickboxing had a very good card this weekend um, if you guys, if any of you guys have Sling TV, um, you, you can, they, they show replays, so you can actually just search the event and you can rewatch the entire thing. Um, I think they also have it on ESPN3.com. Uh, you can watch it on there also. But, um, they had a welterweight tournament and Kevin, uh, Vanistron, if I'm saying his name right, um, he was the winner of the tournament and this guy, man, just... <laughs> one of the most violent displays I've seen in the Glory Tournament in a long time, man. The first round, he pretty much just slaughtered a guy, just blitzkrieged him until he just won the fight. And then in the finals, he met uh, Giga Chikadase, if I'm saying that right, who is a very talented fighter. Um, his first round of the tournament was a pretty tough fight. Uh, he met Vanistrand in the finals, and Vanistrand kind of put it on him, man, and... Yeah, man, it it was a that whole card was really awesome. But Vanderstrand for me was like the highlight. Just brutal violence every time he got in the ring. Um, 
Glory continues, man. They put on great. They put on great cards, man. You guys get on the kickboxing wave. There's a lot of so many talented fighters in in the world of kickboxing. And Glory had a card. I think Crush had a card this weekend. It was a lot of kickboxing this weekend. That was awesome. And I want to say Kulun Fight had the card. Yeah, too. they yeah, did. Yeah. They did. Yep. Cause, yeah, because I'm what's her name lost. Kahan lost. So. Was, I can't remember if it was Crush or Kulun. It might have been Crush. Somebody had a really wild flying knee KO that I saw. That was Crush, yeah. yeah. It was Crush. Uh, it was Anpo. Yeah, man. That, if I remember that. That knee right. was... <laughs> man. Straight Sagat Street Fighter. But, yeah, man. A lot of great kickboxing this weekend. Um, so, yeah, you guys should definitely uh, give give kickboxing a look. I say it every time, but there's so many talented fighters in the world of kickboxing that need more recognition, need some more views, so, but, uh, those will be my, my, uh, pardon shots and shout-outs. Um, I got a pardon shot for, um, Robert Guerrero. You get, we gave one to Neil, uh, we shout-out Neil Siri retiring earlier. Uh, Robert Guerrero, um, he, he fought on Fox, uh, this past Saturday. It was, sad like that's all I can say for that like it was really sad uh this dude who was once really really good and he looked like a he, he looked like a shell of his former self as fighters do eventually when they don't go away um and he retired after his performance I don't know how much that means but if this is really the end um and it, just shouts to him. I hope I hope he does well in whatever he does next in life. Um, like someone pointed this out, Robert Guerrero has lost on like every major network for PBC. Ouch! <laughs> like he is the proverbial jobber. Like hold up, he lost to uh, Danny Garcia on what I want to say was CBS. Now now I gotta get this right because. He lost to Thurman for them. He lost to Figueroa on Fox. Like, I want to say he lost on, like, ABC, CBS, and Fox. And he should have lost on ESPN because he should have lost to Aaron Martinez. Hey, man, they keep calling him to the big show. <laughs> oh, no, no, that was on NBC. So, let's see. Uh, Like, he did, like, oh, God, where is it? Thurman? He loses to Thurman on NBC. Loses to Martinez, should lose to Martinez on NBC. Loses to Garcia on Fox. Loses to Peralta on Spike. And loses to Figueroa on Fox again. So, you know, consistency. You're probably still collecting some pretty good checks, I imagine, though. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> he made it to the big show a bunch of times, so. Okay, um, next one, uh, next point shot is for, uh, uh, Invicta FC, I guess. We didn't get to talk about it, but, um, they had a pretty good card up until the main event. Um, Karina Rodriguez showed out, Miranda Maverick showed out, uh, Suna Davis' daughter and Felisa Spencer showed out, like, Invicta has always been a place for prospects. Like, I think people forgot that because Sarah McMahon and 
Shayna Baszler, Alexis Davis, and like Cyborg, they were all there at the launch, but nobody, uh, like nobody thought much. Uh, I, I shouldn't say. That. Um, this was also the place where like Torres and Namajunas and uh, Esparza and all these other fighters like built their reputation. Right, Waterson. Yeah, and and like to I'm I'm not saying like these guy fight like Miranda Maverick is gonna go on and be just as good as um Cody Goodell or something, but they are at the same position at uh, she's at the same position someone like Tisha Torres was when she made her debut in the uh, Victor Cage, so. That's what I'm trying to get at. They're still out here. They're still helping these women get fights because it's still so hard for women to get fights. Like it, we we kind of take for granted now that you, we see women fighting on every other UFC card. Right. If you especially if you're like a 145er, like it's next to impossible to get fights. Shout out to Shannon Matt uh, man for running that organization. Yeah. Yeah, she's done a really, really uh, good job over there. Um, I, I'm kind of split on who to get this last one to. So, um, shouts to Amanda Serrano who's fighting again on Friday? This Friday? Yeah, Friday, my birthday. Um, she's going to be fighting Edna Kiss in Puerto Rico. She is, as far as I know, Puerto Rico's only five-division world champion, man or female. Or male or female. Um... Uh, I wish her fight was televised. I think they might do like a $5 pay-per-view stream or something like that. But, um, yeah, if they're going to keep doing women's boxing on TV, Amanda Serrano has to be a part of that because she is fun to watch. And the, and like if you go on her Facebook, like, you see her doing jujitsu and kickboxing and stuff like that. So, Oh, she's going to hit the crossover? Uh, she might hit the crossover. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Wait, how much wrestling do you watch? Uh, as, as of lately, none. Well, actually, you know what? I've been out of wrestling for so long. <laughs> All right, never mind. Never mind. I was about to announce for all the wrestling fans out there who want know, who want a timestamp. I'm ninety percent. I, I got on mute, but I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure Kurt Angle just called. Um, crap. What's the the dude's name from American Alpha. Because uh, he's not Chad Gable. So so it's Jordan. Jordan from American Alpha. I, I'm pretty sure he just called him to the ring and he just announced that he was his son. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jason Jordan. So Kurt Angle just called Jason Jordan to the K, uh, to the ring. And just told the WWE audience that he uh, that Jordan is his son. Is he still like wrestling? No, he's right now. He's the um, he's the general manager. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm pretty sure he's up there in age now. Uh, he was wrestling up until last year. They won't let him wrestle because he's freaking. He just broke his neck break. like. I'm pretty sure he's broke his neck like three times. <laughs> like, 
but he was a phenomenal wrestler. He he was one of my favorites when I when I used to watch like semi avidly. Yeah. So the timestamp. Jordan, uh, J- Jason Jordan's now Crankle's son in kayfabe. <laughs> I gotta look up a picture of the guy now, just to. Oh my God, he, he's something out of like a Vince McMahon wet dream. Oh Lord. Except he's not white. <laughs> I don't oh. think he's white. Right, hold on, let me see. Hey, no, he's not white. Yeah, now he's really tanned. Yeah. Yeah, could be tanned. You never know. Uh, I can't tell with these wrestlers sometimes, man. Speaking of hey, my, the hard the Hardys are about to wrestle. No, <laughs> actually, you know what? <laughs> I'm still, I'm pretty sure they're really old, but hey, man, if they can still jump off of a ladder, why not? Probably not. Jeff Hardy, Jeff Hardy fell off of a cage last year, head first. Oh lord, that's not good. And landed on the steel stairs outside. Oh my god. All right, yeah, but that's, and then he, it's not. And he was back wrestling like weeks. Later. That's not good. <laughs> he is, he is like invulnerable. It is insane. Oh man, but uh, yeah, we're just a little over the the two, the two hour mark. Um, I guess Yo. next week we got um, or if I, I can't say next week. Technically, it's this week. Uh, we got Wadman and Gastelum coming up on the twenty second. Um, that card we is. Could literally awesome. be watching the end of right. Chris Weidman's career. Very likely, <laughs> we could very likely seeing Weidman take his march, uh, march elsewhere. But um, that card is also headlined by Jimmy Rivera and Thomas Almeida. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to. It's kicked off by. Huh. Uh, the headliner is Weidman. Last of uh, Jimmy Rivera, Thomas Almeida kicks it off. Really? Yep. Who's co-main then? Dennis Bermudez, Darren Elkins. All right. Oh, you suck, sure, though. They have these listed on the order, I guess, then. Oh, that sucks. Either way, those are both uh, good fights, though. Um, not sure who else is really on this. Eh, not a whole lot. Else. I mean, it would probably be a decent card, I imagine. But those two fights, definitely um, looking forward Shane to. Shane Burgos. My man, Shane Burgos. Power puncher yeah. extraordinaire. Well, I don't see it. Um, he's on the prelims fighting Godofredo Pepe. I must be looking at a list that just isn't even completed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, must, yeah, I think so. Lyman Good's on the card. Bellator, former Bellator welterweight champion. First Bellator welterweight champion, if I remember right. Ryan Levere and Cowboy. Not not Cerrone Cowboy, but the other Cowboy. Uh, oh, yeah, there he is. Um... Eric Anders. Yeah, he's another guy who I mentioned from LFA who uh, got the call up. So, yeah, he'll be making uh, his debut. So, we definitely got some fights coming up. Um, a lot of ep- episodes this week because uh, we just... <laughs> I just put out an episode the other day with some album reviews. I did another one today. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, there'll probably have been like three episodes this week. But, hey, man, there's a lot of fights. We had a lot to cover. And... uh Pretty sure the action won't stop. More fights coming up. More albums coming up. So, yeah, man. As always, go to Facebook. Type in Dojo Talk Podcast. Hit the like button. Um, I've, I've been keeping trying to keep an eye on the SoundCloud situation because apparently I don't. <laughs> nobody knows if SoundCloud is still going to be around 
for much longer, but I don't really know what's going on there, but episodes will still be posted on SoundCloud until they eventually fade away if that ends up happening, but on SoundCloud, on YouTube, um, I've been thinking about possibly putting these also on iTunes or Stitcher, so I'll let you guys know if that uh, ends up happening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Serial Sensei. I post the episodes on Twitter every time they go up. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So it's been a, been a, a great week of fights. A whole lot of fights you guys can just rewatch and be entertained with until and, and we get more fights coming up this weekend. So, yeah, man, go go rewatch Glory. Go rewatch Gaethje and Johnson for the thousandth time like I have. Just go watch all the violence. There's so much to to watch and just admire that happened this week. But yeah, uh, it has been another episode of the Dojo Talk podcast. As always, when people are being kicked and or punched in the face, we'll be there to talk about it. And hopefully, we will catch you guys soon. So until next time, peace.